basement in the tub, actually. I'm like, wow, that's probably smart if there's ever a tornado. But, so we'll try to remember that. But she, yeah, she'll hide and run away. And it happens all throughout the year, not just around the 4th, because where we live, fireworks are all the time. We have them. My father-in-law, he gets to have fireworks around his birthday, which is around Thanksgiving, which is exciting. And usually it's around Christmas and New Year's as well. And then random times throughout the, throughout the year. You'll just hear, like, you know, bang, boom, but, like, louder and bigger. And it's fun. And there's also noisy uh, neighbors with their motorcycles and cars that are really loud. And we tend to hear those at night. And it's obnoxious. And uh, Rich, he was saying, like, it would be fun to maybe one day address those issues of the neighbors and their noises in a, a future sermon series about how to love your obnoxious neighbors. So maybe one day we'll talk and come up with something. That'll be fun. <laughs> but for now, we're going to continue in um, a sermon series, which is called Naturally Supernatural. And I think I'm the clicker for that, right? There it is cultivating the gifts of the Spirit. And if you're just tuning in, this is a series that we've been in that is uh, focused on how important the spiritual gifts are in the life of a follower of Jesus for the purpose of building up the body of Christ and building others up outside of the kingdom. Last week for our online-only service, Teresa gave us some context for the use of spiritual gifts throughout the history of the Vineyard Movement, and it was so much fun to listen to her stories and what she shared, and along with the history. I don't know about you, but I always love talking with people who have been there during that renewal period in the 90s. Um, it just fascinates me to no end. In fact, we recently, Rich and I were with the Palumbos, Bob and Marilyn Palumbo, who Teresa had mentioned, and they shared even more with us, and it was just so much fun. So if you ever have an opportunity to do that, I highly encourage you to take advantage of it. So if you think about it, it's really amazing that we are living in a time and place where we can learn how to, as John Wimber would say, do the stuff. And what is doing the stuff? Doing the stuff is practicing the gifts of the Spirit, like Jesus did. It's doing what Jesus did, following his example and lead. And, uh, and at our last in-person service a couple weeks ago, Rich shared about the gift of faith. How many of you guys have been praying about what you wrote on your index cards throughout? Yes, Rich did. Ah, yes. Woo. Ah, another one. Yes. Good job, guys. I encourage you to keep going and doing that because it's so important. It really would be amazing to like, find out later if you want to share answers to prayer as you've prayed over those. It'd be encouraging for us, for each other. So please share that and keep going with that. And the reason why we practice praying that is because it's, the gifts uh, are meant to be practiced rather than discussed. Paul summarized it by saying this in 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And today we're going to put into practice praying for the kingdom of God to come so that we can grow in the gift of healing. What is something that you need God's power to heal today? People we encounter every day are hurting, they're in pain, they're medicated for illness. It's treating, not healing. They're also dying all around us. I mean, with COVID, right? 
We have that, people are having side effects of that still today. You yourself may be experiencing any kind of pain or sickness. And wouldn't it be amazing if we were to pray and we were to experience the healing that God has for us anytime we were unwell? Actually, I have a friend who walks this out. She says that she lives in divine health. And she actually, for a good three years, I don't think she's been sick one bit. She hasn't had anything wrong with her. It's amazing. And if she starts to, she prays, and then she's better. I want to have that kind of faith and live that out. So the problem is it's not that easy, though, right? Throughout the history of the vineyard movement, um, before, God used the Anaheim Vineyard to be a model of signs and wonders and for supernatural healing. John Wimber... That's John Wimber. He's the, one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement. Himself, he discovered that his healing prayer, te- when people would pray on his teams, they would get sick. When they would pray for people to be healed who were sick, they themselves were often getting sick. Or, they, or the people that they prayed for would get sicker. And later in life, John Wimber saw healing happening, which is amazing, but he saw that happening as he prayed for others when he himself was sick and when he was dying. God still was using him, but yet he was still sick. Another man you may have heard of is Smith Wigglesworth. Love that mustache. He uh, is a man you may have heard of. Um, We once had a cat, by the way, who is named Mrs. Woolworth, and people sometimes called her Wigglesworth, and I had to look up, like, who Wigglesworth was. So thanks to the cat, I was able to know who Smith Wigglesworth is. A real person. And he had an incredible uh, healing ministry. And he uh, was known actually for being able to pray uh, in a hospital and clearing out a sick ward, which is incredible. And it's supposed, like, it's not, I don't know if it's um, definite, but it's reported that he raised 14 people from the dead, which is also amazing. And throughout that entire time, well, during this ministry, he himself was sick. He suffered pretty bad for like, I don't know if I just said throughout the whole time, but I don't know if it's throughout the whole time, but he, for a good three years, he had uh, severe kidney stones. And it was like so bad that in the evening, he, the people who roomed with him, who traveled with him for ministry, they witnessed this. They said it was so bad that he would roll around in agony on the floor while he was passing these stones at night, if they passed. And he would wake up bloody, a mess, but he would wake up in the morning, get cleaned up, and go on to a service and do the work of God, heal people, and preach the word as if nothing had happened. No one knew he was sick. God still used him. And that's incredible. And then after he was, like, came out of that season, was finally free of the kidney stones, he dealt with sciatic pain. Now, if any of you have dealt with that, that is horrible. My mom once just collapsed when she had that, when she was pregnant with one of um, either me or my sisters. And, like, her leg just gave out from under her, and she fell. Like, it's just, it's, it's a really rough illness to have. And... The irony of sharing this with you guys is I was sick yesterday. (laughs) I actually was not going to speak. I was going to stay home, and Rich was going to do this um, today. And he, 
So he took what I had prepared and lovingly changed it for himself <laughs> because he's rich. You know, he's been doing this a while. He's good at it. And um, he wrote more of a sermon than I had had ready. And out of his love for me, he was like, you need to rest. You need to rest. And I, I felt like it's hilarious or some sort of joke that I'm supposed to be speaking on healing, which I love. I love praying for people to be healed. And I'm sick and I'm not getting better. And I prayed over myself and I wasn't getting better. He came over to me yesterday, I think early afternoon, and he just put his hand on my hand. And I thought he was going to pray, but what he said is, Jess, be healed. Sickness, leave her body right now in Jesus' name. And I was like, oh, okay. So it caught me off guard in a good way. And then he left with the kids. There were some cousins over. He left the house, and I was there with my girls, just relaxing. And about 30 minutes to an hour later, I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling so much better. Huh. This is fascinating. Like I was like looking at it, like, wow, this is amazing. This is how this can work. This delayed healing, you know. And it was really fun. And but seriously, like I had this, like if he he did this great um, impression of me, being sick and tired yesterday, where I was kind of like walking, like he. This isn't over exaggerated, but he said I was like this, like just kind of walking slowly, crookedly, but I didn't, I'm not doing that anymore. I feel so much better. So it's really wonderful that God heals. I can't say for sure if it's what the prayer, but I think it was because I know others were praying for me and I was resting as well. I'm just so grateful that God can use people even when they're sick. And there's just so much mystery in this kind of ministry. So why don't we take a moment to pray as we get started here. Holy Spirit, come. We thank you for your healing power. We thank you for your presence. I ask that you would speak to each one of us your heart, your desire for us and how to operate in this gift. And in Jesus' name, I bind a spirit of fear that might prevent that from happening. And I command that to go. And I just release the spirit of faith in your power. Amen. So the gift of healing is men clearly mentioned by Paul in the list of the gifts of the Spirit in first... Where did, where did it go? All right, Rob. Thank you. And uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, and in verse... Uh, at the end there, he talks about how to another gifts of healing by that one spirit we're given. And you can see here that Paul says there are gifts of healing. There's more than one. So you, there's healing of the spiritual, the emotional, 
and the physical. And today I'm going to be talking about specifically about physical healing. Although there's often overlap. They, they overlap often. Not always, but often. Physical healing was a regular characteristic of the ministry of Jesus. And when we read the Gospels, it seems like Jesus healed people a lot, because he did. In Matthew uh, chapter 4, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. And you can see here that he healed all of them, and there was that overlap of the spiritual, emotional, and physical, but he healed them all. In the ministry of Jesus, the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom went hand in hand with the demonstration of the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus intended it to be the same for his disciples. And that's us. Jesus taught his disciples to do the same thing. In Matthew chapter 10, he said, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. In his power, or in his book, Power Healing, John Wimber says, and I quote, spiritual gifts, especially healing, were important for effective evangelism. No wonder divine healing is described mostly in the Gospels. I love that quote. He actually has that written in Power Healing and then in his book, Power Evangelism. And I highly recommend both to you. As Jesus' disciples today, the mandate to heal the sick still stands. Part of being a disciple of Jesus means learning how to minister supernatural healing to those who are sick. When a person is healed, it's a perfect opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with them which can then lead to spiritual healing and restoration. And whether they respond to that message, the good news of Jesus, is up to them. It's not your responsibility. Our responsibility, responsibility is simply to obey what Jesus called us to do. And, you know, when I have prayed for people, I will see often that they're not healed. There's been times when I have seen them healed, though. And both times, I don't, and I actually haven't really been too discouraged. When I walk away from someone and they're not healed, I don't feel like, oh, no, I'm this failure. I'm just like, well, Lord, you know, I don't know what you're doing fully here. And I give this situation to you, and I, I pray that these people are, are blessed and feel loved and connected with you. The like, there's a, they feel touched by your, your heart for them. And there was this one time a few, gosh, a little, more, a little more than a few years ago, but it's one of my favorites, where I prayed for this woman at CrossFit, okay? And she was suffering from severe migraines. I don't know if anyone here has ever had migraines, but they were like debilitating migraines for her to the point where she had an appointment made to go get an MRI, I think, do something, um, because meds weren't working, and it was just a mess. So I kind of just 
stepped out and asked her if I could pray for her. Um, she said, sure, why not? You know, when someone's desperate and they're in pain, they're going to do, like, the, the, they typically will almost always say yes for prayer. And so I prayed over her, and it was simple. I think I put my hand on her forehead, and I just commanded the migraines to go and a few other things. And she, I don't know if she had a headache right then, so I don't remember what happened right in that moment. But she came back to me and told me that she hadn't had a migraine after that, and she actually canceled her doctor's appointment, which is amazing. I know. It was just so encouraging. I was like, oh, my gosh, it actually worked. It works, you guys. The power of God works. So exciting. So... uh, but that's not always the case, right? Like, like I said, I've often prayed for people, and there's nothing. My son Isaac, he's here today. He's got a headache, and I prayed over him. I commanded the headache to go. He still has a headache. I think he's out there laying down on the bench. So all of you guys can go pray for him afterwards. <laughs> that would be great. You know, we're living in a post-COVID world, and there's that tension with uh, seeing people healed and not healed. And it's really, really tough right now. So what happens when healing doesn't happen? Theologian and professor George Eldon Ladd was one of the first to use the phrase, the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God, which summarizes our theology of healing. When the kingdom is at hand in the person of Jesus, and now through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom is still not yet because the fullness of the kingdom of God will not be fully realized until Jesus returns again. So there is this tension of the now and the not yet. The idea is that when Jesus came, he inaugurated the coming of his kingdom, but the kingdom won't be consummated until his second coming, and this impacts how we think about healing. Any belief that healing for believers is 100% guaranteed today because of the cross would be correct. One day we'll all be healed. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's no death in heaven. We'll all be healed. However, that healing will not be 100% available until Jesus comes again. And that's the tension of living in the kingdom of the now and not yet that we're in. And in the vineyard, we avoid the extremes. One of those extremes is questioning God's will to heal and not praying for healing at all and saying that was just for Jesus and the apostles. It's not for today. And we also avoid the extreme of what we might call an over-realized eschatology, which, which is the understanding of the end times, which ignores the reality that suffering is part of the world. This is part of the prosperity gospel. And we would also be wise to avoid misguided triumphalism that declares that the kingdom should always be experienced in the here and now. You can always see it every time. This kind of thinking may incorrectly assume in many instances that it's probably our fault that healing doesn't happen, and that's not always the case. So 
let's address the problem of the, that healing, not, that lack of healing is on our end, and that which keeps people from receiving healing. The problem is never on God's side. Remember that. So um, one problem, one issue is some people do not have faith in God for healing. And in James chapter 5, it says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. However, God sometimes heals those who do not have any faith at all. Then they end up having faith. It's kind of confusing, but it's interesting how that works, right? And then the second um, issue is personal unconfessed sin. So oftentimes, if a person uh, is, has an ongoing sin issue in their life, it creates a barrier for God to come in and fully heal them. Also in James 5, in the next verse, verse uh, 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The, power, or the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So if you have a problem with overeating and you haven't confessed that, that's an issue. You, if you keep eating yourself, eating and eating yourself to death by choice, you won't be healed. So it's important to confess that, get that out, receive the healing for that issue that you've confessed, and then go on for receiving healing um, for whatever the other physical issues are and not having that sin pattern in the way anymore. Um, thirdly, persistent and widespread disunity, sin, and unbelief in communities of believers. In 1 Corinthians, it says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Fourthly, the nature of the kingdom of God is invitation. Jesus does not force his healing on people. You have to want to be healed. It has to be a desire that you have. He prayed for those who came to him and asked him. He didn't chase them down. Unanswered prayer sometimes reveals unresolved spiritual issues, but not always. Sometimes we do pray with faith, and nothing seems to happen. Here are some other reasons why healing may not happen as we pray when sin is not the problem. One, some people assume that God always heals instantly, and when he does not heal immediately, they stop praying. We are taught by Jesus to pray and to keep praying, to keep seeking him, to keep knocking and pressing in. Sometimes there's um, a, a delay in healing in order to do a deeper inner healing inside of a person. Second, because of incomplete or incorrect diagnosis of what is causing their problems, people do not know how to pray correctly. So we might see people not be healed. Uh, there's actually a situation where there's someone in my life I've been praying for to be healed and I'm not seeing anything happen 
And this person recently discovered that there might be another root issue, something completely different. And I was like, oh, well, that kind of is a game changer. Let's do this again. And so we started praying along those lines. And so we'll keep pressing in and keep praying and we'll see what happens. But it's exciting to me that that is the case. And sometimes there are spiritual dynamics at work which we don't understand. Um, Like in the book of Daniel, Daniel prayed for an answer and the archangel Michael was held back by the prince of Persia. There are things in the spiritual world that we are unaware of that's happening. And it's a mystery. But as people of the kingdom of God, we live in that dynamic tension of the kingdom. And by faith, we keep praying for the sick because that's what Jesus told us to do. Plain and simple. And the good news is we don't need to understand the mystery in order to enjoy the gift of healing. Our job is to see what our Father is doing around us every day and to get to participate in bringing the, the now of the kingdom into the not yet. Healing is the spiritual gift that gives us one of the clearest pictures of the gospel. While we were helpless and separated from God, Jesus sacrificed his body so that we could be given a new body and become part of his body forever and become like him. It's the full healing. It's the deepest healing anyone needs to be made right with God again. Some practical points of healing based on how Jesus did it um, is a lot. There's actually quite a few. Um, There are so many occurrences of Jesus healing in the Gospels, either individuals or large crowds. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that today, healing of a large group. We actually practiced that, um, I don't know, quite a few months ago over, um, uh, sorry, the covid we were praying, breaking the spirit of Keteb, I believe it was, over COVID. We did a, a, a large group thing. And there were actually many people who had breakthrough and healing from that, myself included. I didn't even realize it. I ended up having this, this uh, lightness of breath that I didn't realize I needed. Apparently, there was a heaviness, this residual weight on me that I had no idea was still there. I had just gotten used to it. So that was pretty amazing. So Jesus prayed over multitudes in the Gospels, individuals, and over all these instances, he actually didn't pray once. What he did was, he just did it. He just spoke healing. He commanded people to rise. For the paralytic, he said, rise, get up. To the man with a withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. To others, he just touched them, like when Rich touched my hand. And when, G- when um, Jesus touched Peter's mother-in-law, he touched his hand, and her fever left her. And in each instance, it was just a few words. It's just super simple, nothing elaborate, no like flowery, long, eloquent prayers, which can be beautiful, but they were just very direct and simple, be healed, get up. So when we go to pray for people, there's a few things to keep in mind. One, we always ask for permission. 
because we don't want to control people, right? Get, they need to want it as well. Always ask per permission. And if it is appropriate, you can touch the person's body and you ask them for permission to do that as well. You invite the Holy Spirit to come with healing power and you ask for help discerning what the root cause is. So you speak a simple command, you address the problem and tell it what to do. You check to see if anything has happened and then you try again. And then you try again if necessary. And Jesus did that as well. So today, if you're hurting, we're going to try this, which I'm kind of excited about. I'm very excited. So if anybody has any um, physical ailments, if you're sick, if you're on medication for ongoing issues, anything, um, I want to encourage you to get some prayer today and then 